Our experiences are what define us. Everything in your life can teach you. We call these our defining moments. Now, join Debbie Montgomery Johnson and her featured guest as they help you stop hiding things in your life and instead learn to embrace them and stand proud. It's Defining Moments, and it begins now. Here is your host, Debbie Montgomery Johnson. Hey everyone, this is Debbie Montgomery Johnson, and I'm coming to you live from rainy Palm Beach County. Usually I say it's sunny Palm Beach County, but we're in the middle of hurricane season, and although we don't have a hurricane coming our way, we are being blasted by rain. So I'm so grateful that I'm in a warm location, and I have a great guest with me today. We're going to have a defining moment session that is beyond belief. But I want you to know that defining moments in our lives just happen. We've all had them. They are those moments that change our lives forever. And good people go through those terrible situations, but wise people know when and how to let them go. A friend of mine showed me a quote the other day by C.S. Lewis. He once said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And so we're going to do that today. My special guest today is Ms. Sharon Frame, a dear friend and colleague of mine. Sharon is founder of Lead Hership Power. She's a former CNN anchor and writer, a dynamic international speaker, executive coach, and the author of Lead Hership, Own It, Love It, Learn It, Give It. Sharon's leadership coaching techniques can help you shatter limiting beliefs, and they set you up for lasting success. I've got to tell you, she's been a mentor of mine. She kicks me in the rear end, and she is just a wonderful person. So I want to welcome my friend, Sharon. Good morning. Good morning, Jeffy. How are you, my friend? I'm great. You must be out and about because I can hear you. you must, uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. So, Well, it's so good to be with you. Thank you. I'm humbled by the opportunity and the chance to have a conversation on defining moments. So thank well, you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. You and I have spent some time together. And actually, you just came back from a weekend in Savannah at Women Rock Savannah. And I'm, I've got to tell you, Sharon, when I go to conferences, I feel it a success to leave with meeting one beautiful person. And there were so many great people that I met and I associated with and I spoke with and, and that you, sh- you know, introduced to me. Uh, I've got to give you a great kudos for your Women's Rock Savannah Conference. Um, I, I, imagine, I imagine you feel it was a great success this year. Really was one can measure success in a number of ways. One of the things that I walked away feeling very grateful and excited about when the participants come to you and halfway in the middle of a presentation or halfway into our conference, you have people saying, "Oh, my life has changed." Having listened to three or four speakers, and we have an array of other speakers coming behind. And that is the measure, I think, when people get it and they know that their value is something they need to elevate and celebrate, which is what we were doing at Women Rock this year, celebrating our value. So when we get people to be able to acknowledge that and, and, and embrace it, man, that's a good feeling. 
And it was lovely. And there were women, men and women there from all over the country. And it was just a lovely, lovely situation. And I thank you for including me in that. Um, but Sharon, before, before we get into our defining moments, you know how important family is to me. And I know it's important to you. So I would like to let our listeners get to know you a little bit through your family experiences, where you're from, a little bit about your family, where you fall in the, in the, uh, in the lineup of children. And then I want you to tell me a couple of your mom stories because I love mom stories. <laughs> well, how much time do we have on the mom stories? Because I tell you what, my first book, in fact, the second book I dedicated to my mother because I always call her my Shiro. But I'll get to that in a moment. A little bit about Sharon Frame. I was uh, born and raised in, excuse me, in Kingston, Jamaica, rather, in Kingston, Jamaica. And I was actually raised the predominance of my adolescent years in Hartford, Connecticut. So I remember coming to this country, but a child, it was the springtime in Hartford where it was still a little nippy. And um, all five siblings came together. My mother came ahead of us and worked three and four jobs to make sure that she had enough money to sponsor all five of her children. She was a single mother, worked as a nurse's aide tirelessly for a number of years to get us all together and bring us to America so we could have the opportunity to have a better life. Uh, I think parents do that. They just really want to make sure that the next generation is better off. And she wanted to make sure all of her children had the opportunity to come to America. And a lot of immigrants our, our sentiment about America is so great. You see it as the land of opportunity, the land of hope, and all possibilities. So I came with a, a bucket load of ambition because that's how I was raised, to be very ambitious and to seize the opportunities of life. And I was just a kid coming here, and I remember getting this little red, red Riding Hood red cloak my mother had, uh, five coats waiting for us because it was nippy, and you know you're coming from the tropics. That was my first experience in America, through the airport at Bradley Airport International in Hartford, and looking at my mother with her arms full, her arms full of, of coats, waiting for her children to come to America. And she's always been full of hope and full of love and full of challenge for us to make sure that we were not just going to be sitting by and being mediocre students or mediocre people, but we were going to represent her well in the workplace. <laughs> and be all we could be, and all of us have become very successful because of that push, because of the opportunities that uh, were afforded us in this great country. So I'm always very grateful for my mom and for her example of ambition and saying, you know, normal is not enough. We've got to strike harder. We've got to dig deeper. We've got to be all we can be. One of my mom's stories, I just always um, I'm so grateful and hardened when I think about her working as a nurse's aide and working three jobs, sometimes around the clock, it was just maddening. But I remember my mother went back to school to get her GED because she did not come to this country with a high school diploma. And she wanted to actually get the classroom knowledge as opposed to just getting the GED. So she went back to school. And I kid you not, Deb, while my mother's working two and three jobs, she actually one semester made better grades than I did. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, are you kidding me? I got to step up my game. There is no excuse. So she was always that example, right? And then there was a time when I had to, I was in a pageant at church and I didn't have a dress, didn't have a gown. I distinctly remember my mother coming home one Saturday afternoon from her second job 
And that pageant was the Sunday. My mother pulled out her sewing machine and sewed me a gown for me to enter the pageant on that Sunday. And those little things, she never said, I'm, I love you all the time, but this is how she showed us by doing. And, and I, I just have all those great stories. When I became a journalist, I got my degree from Emerson College in Boston. I am the fourth of five children. I'm the, the older of the two sisters. The two sisters are the younger, the youngest in the, in the pecking order. And um, I was always um, perhaps two or three steps behind my brother, Keith, who is the genius in the family. And I think those little acts of kindness to her showed me that I was important to her. And she took me down to J.C. Penney's, was it? Oh, no, no, it was Montgomery Ward back then, um, to make sure that I had just the right clothing when I got my first job in, in television. I was leaving Connecticut to move down to Jackson, Mississippi, where I got my first job in television. And she took me to Montgomery Ward and got me some really beautiful outfits to make sure that I was well taken care of. And that was her way of saying, I'm proud of you. I love you. And, yeah, the stories of moms could go on forever. How she sacrificed, how she put herself behind uh, the eight ball to make sure that we were taken good care of, even though we came from a family with a single-parent household. She did all she could do to make sure that everything we needed uh, was taken care of and we didn't have to worry about anything except to study and to make good grades and to make her proud. <laughs> I don't well, yeah, thank you so much. And I know your mom is, is still living, and she's up in Connecticut, right? Is that where she is right now? Yes, she is, indeed. I yeah. my love. I and, her. She was in the and I know, she, I know she's proud of you. And it was really interesting. I heard something on the news this morning. Uh, they were talking about our parents' generation and how they worked so hard. And then our generation, who is is achieving things, but we're trying to make life easier for our children, that we don't want them to have to work as hard as we did, and we are actually doing them a disservice because mm-hmm. they're not learning that ethic, that work ethic, and that really, you know, strive to be excellent ethic, yes. uh, which and is too bad. And, I think, and that's, that's a troublesome thing when you feel entitled. When you feel entitled, you're not going to work as hard. Well, exactly. And if we've got a generation of kids that are feeling entitled and that they get, deserve everything just because, it, we can really have a long discussion about that. But yes. I'm so grateful for your mom because I can see when I'm with you, the drive for excellence is incredible. And what I love is that you take that drive and you show other women how it can help them to be successful. And you do that mm-hmm. through your conferences. You do that through your, your uh, coaching sessions. But you do that just by being you. And you have a genuine gift of being kind to people and to see their value and I love that that value v-a-l-y-o-u was the the conference um, emphasis this year that wasn't said articulately but you emphasized personal value in business yeah. and in in life and it was it just it was lovely it just it, it rang it resonated with my heart um, yeah, this was the theme of the, the conference, and I, I hope it continues to be the theme of the ladies' life who were there to experience that reawakening, valuing their story, valuing their health, valuing their hard-earned money, valuing um, all their businesses, and that's what we try to uh, elevate people to the level where they feel empowered to, first of all, acknowledge the treasure, the gift that's within them. Uh, I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how how much money you have. I don't care what your pedigree is. 
if you don't feel it from within, if you don't know your value, you will allow others to squander your worth. And we cannot allow that to happen. And we'll squander our worth as well. If we don't realize, wow. if there's not this level of awareness, and there, was a, there, are, there are a number of defining moments for me where I had to step up to the plate and acknowledge who I was, my value, my worth, so that I could live my best life. And we had that opportunity with Vivian one day. It was a Vivian is a beautiful woman that is very accomplished in her own right, but doesn't recognize it. And yeah. when we when she and I were talking, and she wanted me to give her a, a testimonial of you know what she could do, and then I found out what she's already done in her life, and I'm thinking, you need to recognize how wonderful you are. And, and I think that's part of us as women is yeah. that. We don't put the value on ourselves. We'll see it in other people, but we don't recognize it the greatness in ourselves, and that's holding us back. And those yeah. are those stories We're, that are hidden that are holding us back. So talk about that a little bit. You know, what, what has been one of your defining moments, and how did you move on from it? Well, I, I, we are great cheerleaders of others. Uh, we, we are great mentors to others, but when it comes to ourselves, it seems like we we want to reserve uh, the, the negative. Oh, I need to fix this. I, I think it's because we sometimes are so concentrated on how I need to improve, what I need to fix. We don't celebrate what's working. And one of the, mo- the, the, the defining moments for me, I can go back to when I was probably in fourth grade. And someone within the school system back in Jamaica thought that I was a very intelligent young child. And they decided to elevate me to to move me from fourth grade to sixth grade. So I was skipped from fourth to sixth. And I went to sixth grade, but I did not like the teacher. I thought she was mean. And uh, because I got a, a spelling word incorrectly, she wrapped me on my, in, my, in my head. I'm like, I'm not staying here. <laughs> so without anybody's permission, without talking it over with my mother or the administrators, I packed up my belongings the next day, and I marched myself down to fifth grade. I liked the fifth grade teacher. <laughs> So the defining moment for me was to realize that I was a person who knew what I liked, what I wanted, and I was strong enough to defy all the odds. As I would say in my words, I was a rebel just because. I've been a rebel just because for a long time, (laughs) just because I knew I could. And here's the interesting thing. That one defining moment helped me see how strong I was even in the fourth grade to say to myself, I don't want that. That is not what I desire, to make that decision. Now, here is where the backlash is rather fascinating. Fast forward, I'm now complete, uh, now completed fifth grade, and guess where I ended up for sixth grade? Back in that same teacher's <laughs> classroom <laughs> that I so rebuffed. <laughs> and so I had to learn a certain, a certain other lessons about um, making sure that I honored authority, and not everything you want is right for you at the time. Someone thought that I could handle the workload. I knew I could handle the workload, but I didn't particularly care for the teacher. But in, in the end, I still had to face that. And oftentimes in life, we run from things. Uh, we think, well, I, I don't want to work with this. I don't want to confront a certain situation, whether it's a, a business deal that's gone bad or a relationship that's gone bad. And you need to have a conversation with your, with your uh, business partner. You need to have a conversation with your spouse. And we avoid the confrontation. And eventually, the confrontation potentially gets worse because we avoided it for two weeks or two years. So that was one of the defining moments for me as a kid 
thinking as an adult, but also having childish ways and moving away from that, getting a double lesson from that. So that was a very interesting moment that I've been able to use now as a, as a teacher to say to people, say to women in particular, we've got to face some things about who we are. We've got to acknowledge what's not working so we can celebrate what is. And there is a dichotomy there because, yes, we are greater from within, but oftentimes we look from without and we see what's not working and we, we spend, uh, we, we don't acknowledge where we need to course correct in life. And so we sit in a familiar space. We sit in the seat of discomfort thinking that we're comfortable when there's so much more in life for us. So what I try to do, Deb, is awaken the giant in our women, to awaken the potential and the possibility to remind them that they are wired to win, that they came to the planet pre-wired for success, pre-programmed for greatness. When we let obstacles stand in our way and tell, and people tell us what we cannot do and situations define our greatness for us, we're really just acquiescing. And we'll never be happy in the seat of acquiescence. acquiescence. We will never be content. We will never be fully rewarded. We'll never live a meaningful life totally if we are second best to ourselves, and that's well, what that, I try to uh, relate to ladies. That is terrific. And Sharon, uh, I can't believe how quickly our time is going. We're going to have to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue that discussion. But while we're on break, I want everybody to go to SharonFrameSpeaks.com. Find out a little bit about my guest. And I think there might be a, a gift for you there. But we'll come back to Sharon's defining moments and my defining moments and why I do like to uh, to minimize contention and to scoot from things. But we're going to awaken that giant within when we're coming back in just a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, then it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Today, we are part of an ever-changing mix of technological advances and business trends that redefine how we work, ongoing performance, and our world around us. Tune into Humanity Evolve with host Catherine Calarco. It's an open discussion about these trends and advances that come together to create a positive future for you, your family, and your world. Humanity Evolve can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
This is the Voice America Women's Channel, where your success is limitless. You are listening to Defining Moments with Debbie Montgomery Johnson. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to Debbie at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. Now, back to Defining Moments. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Debbie Montgomery Johnson, and I'm here talking with my friend Sharon Frame, a rebel with a cause. And part of Sharon's rebelliousness uh, stemmed from when she was younger, and she was in the shadow of her brothers, her brother. And I know that feeling, and I remember the one time I really stood up for myself, and my brothers always laugh at this, I always had to do the dishes. And one day, it, it just griped me that I was the only one doing the dishes, and I threw down the rag and the, and the sponge, and I, I walked out of the house, and as I was walking out of the house, I said, you guys, when you learn how to do dishes, then I'll come back. I was tired of being their slave, as I thought I was. So I'm <laughs> sure, Sharon, <laughs> you've got a brother story, and I love it, and let's just share that with our, with our uh, listeners today, if you could. Yeah, so the brother who's closest to me is Keith. Uh, he's two years older than I am, and he was a genius in the family. And every so often, you know, when you're traveling through life, folks will identify you with someone in your family. I was always Keith Frame's sister. And that sixth grade class I talked about, when I got there, my brother was in that class. <laughs> That's probably one of the reasons why I wanted to leave. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he was incredibly gifted, and I always uh, was compared by my mother to my brother. Why can't you do this like Keith? When Keith went off to this school, why can't you do this like Keith? Uh, when he went to MIT, she wanted to know, why can't I be an engineer like my brother? When he did this, why can't... And so she was always comparing me to him. And I, I was just... I think I was 19 years old when I got fed up. I said to myself, I don't want to be my, my brother's uh, clone. I don't want to be Keith. I want to be Sharon Frame. I have an identity. And I remember very, very, very strongly putting my foot down to myself and having this internal conversation with Sharon Frame saying, I'm special. I'm valued. I have worth, and it doesn't have to be defined by Keith Frame. So I took a different uh, turn in my life and decided to do my own thing. I was always uh, proficient in communications. I did an oratorical contest. I was a church announcer at uh, church when I was a kid growing up. I I also started teaching Sunday school at 16. Interestingly enough, it was Keith who, while he was going to MIT, invited me to Cambridge to come and visit all other colleges. I had started at a local school, Hartford University in Hartford, and he said, oh, you need to spread your wings. So he invited me up, and I visited with him, and I uh, was touring the schools in Boston, Simmons College in particular, and stumbled across Emerson, which is a school I graduated from. I went to Emerson because they had a really good journalism program. So had it not been for him, I probably would not have gone <laughs> to Emerson College. I do have that thank you for. But that was one of the things. Uh, I think parents sometimes do that. They compare their children in a good way, thinking, well, if I encourage you to be like this straight-A student, uh, perhaps you'll get your grades up. My grades were not bad, but they just weren't straight-A pluses. And so I remember coming home one day with, uh, I think there were four A's and one A-plus on my report card, and I didn't show it to my mother. I mean, I said to myself, what's the point? 
Keith is taking all honors course, and he'll probably have all A pluses, pluses, pluses. <laughs> so I just didn't even bother. But I, I'm thankful to God that I was able to, in my mind, reconcile with myself and say, it's good that Keith is very smart and intellectual, but that's not the road for me. And I've got to define my road for myself and celebrate my gifts and celebrate who I am and what I'm called to the planet to do. So here's my question. Are you like me and you don't like contention? And if so, in your lifetime, have you ever told your mom that story? Have you ever addressed that with your mom? I have. Um, I've addressed another issue that I thought was a comparison, and this one was a comparison to my sister. My sister is six years younger, but I always introduce her as my younger, my older sister. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the playful one. She's extremely serious. But I remember um, one afternoon I was uh, walking through the living room, and my mother and her best friend were talking in the dining room, and she said something like, oh, Trisha is so much prettier than Sharon. And I don't think she really she meant anything by it. We didn't call it passing comments she made, but it really seared something in my spirit and really dealt a blow that it took me a while to get over. So I felt like, wow, you know, I'm being compared to Keith on one level, I'm being compared to Trish on another level, and why is it that my mother doesn't think I'm pretty? It's not that she didn't think I was pretty, she just made a statement in conversation. I might have come in on the tail end of the conversation as well. And we had this this discussion, and and again, her idea is, well, I didn't mean anything by it. I didn't even realize I'd said that. Um, so the other one, I have not mentioned it to her because I think it'll be one where she denies she said it. <laughs> my mother's extremely. <laughs> you think I'm strong? You can you come battle with my mother. <laughs> you see where I get it, right? <laughs> well, and 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 maybe it did actually give you that kick in the butt to uh, to become you, to, be, to become the person that you are. Uh, and I remember uh, there were so many things that I kept quiet too. And when I wrote my book last year, The Woman Behind the Smile, I had to let those things go and let them out. And my sister-in-law kept saying, why are you, why are you this way? Why do you con- need control on this? And, and it turned out that there were things in me that I had not uh, verbalized over the years. Some things like when my, when I went away to school, I felt internally that my mom and dad actually got to know my best friend better than me because she stayed there in Vermont and I went away and I said that to my mom and she's like wow did you do you really feel that way because we don't and again it's it's our minds what is our subconscious telling us that I wasn't good enough but I went away and they didn't get to know me so now I want them to get to know me and they yeah. they live they live here beside me, and I'm you know I, I know them so much better today I think than I did when I was growing up but because I didn't want to hurt my mom's feelings, I never said anything. And I think that happens with our kids. I'm very conscious of what, you know, I say and do with my children and my husband, right? CJ is very careful. He goes, Deb, you know, make sure that nobody feels like they're not as good as the other one. You know, you can't compare, you can't do this. And I'm thinking, it's really difficult as a parent because you want to say, celebrate the, the accomplishments of one and encourage the others. But not to right, the but you want to make feeling. sure that you, you, you celebrate the uniqueness as well and find the kernel of, of, of purpose for each child because that's very important. And I remember another defining moment is how you, you're dealing with your siblings because my sister later confided in me that she thought my mother was comparing her to me and um, kind of just not da- just actually dampening her ability to do what she wanted to do because, again, it was the same thing where, you know, 
can't you be like Sharon? How come you can't do this? And so I, I just encourage parents to be careful uh, when they compare because sometimes um, uh, there is at the, I'm at this conference here, the Leader, Leader Cast Women's Conference, and there was a quote that was used um, by Theodore Roosevelt and talked about comparison is the worst, it's, it's a killer, it's the worst killer of joy when we compare ourselves, and women do that a lot. We compare ourselves to others. We see a beautiful woman walking down the street. She's all put together, and we start comparing her to us, or we go on Facebook, and everybody's talking about how lovely and wonderful things are in their lives, and we're like, oh, my goodness, my life isn't all that straight. What's going on with me? And we're always seemingly comparing ourselves, trying to measure up to someone else, and we never win, Debbie, because we never allow ourselves to win. We always come in second best to somebody else when we compare. So in my teachings with women in particular, I say cast away that, 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 that habit, that template. Re, you know, reframe your thought about who you are. And if you start thinking from within that I'm wired, that, that I've got value, that I've got purpose in the earth, and we, when we identify that and spend our time developing that, and helping others, the other thing diminishes. And another thing I'll tell you that was brought out today, and I've heard this before, that, you know, it's an African proverb about this, this grandfather and his grandson, and they were talking, and the grandfather said, you know, each of us has two wolves within us, and one is the evil wolf and one is the good wolf. And, and the grandson said, so, so how, how, how do you make sure that, um, you know, the evil wolf doesn't... Um, you know, win all the time or is not victorious. And the grandfather said, whoever you feed, that's who will be dominant in your life. So if we feed the good, the good positive attitudes and ideas and we, 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 we really park our car on that avenue that says, I am somebody, I am valuable, I am called to do greatness, that is what grows. That's the, the wolf that grows in our lives. And too often, I think, as women and men, we tend to think about why am I not measuring up, what I need to fix, what isn't working, oh me, oh my, it's Monday, I can't do this, I've tried it and failed, and we keep, we keep you know, just, just, just uh, singing that old song, and before you know it, it becomes the entire lyrics to our lives, and that's not, that's not a good thing. Well, and that's true, and, and you, you brought it up, it's the I, it's the, everybody has this uh it's this personal thing that they have to be the best. And it's not that we can't strive for excellence is that Absolutely. we're not supposed to be here alone. We're supposed to take someone with us and elevate. I love when you say we are going to elevate each other to a higher level because, you know, then we go together and yeah. it's all about service and it's about Absolutely. kindness and it's about doing those things that will help another rise. And that's what I love about your, your program is that you lead people to another level and how did you get that way? You know, did it come? I, I know a lot of it came from your mom and, and that desire to, to get better. But when you were on CNN, you were an mm-hmm. anchor and a successful one. What led you to the next level in your life when you, you actually left CNN and you're doing your own thing now? What got you yeah. to that point where you were brave enough to walk away from a job and do what you're doing now and something that you love? Absolutely, and you, you hit it um, on, the nail, on the nail on the head when you said doing something that I love. In every person, there is this song that is singing. It might be a hum, but it, it's calling us to greatness. It's calling us to, to do the thing that we're called and purpose to do. 
I was called on purpose to be a writer, a journalist, a speaker. That's what I do. Uh, but that's not who I am. And what I am um, is someone who loves to elevate, to, to show love, and to show the way of love. Because I think we, we, we live in a bigger, brighter society when we're always showing other people's light, shedding light on other people's light, helping other people to grow, being the cheerleader for everyone else because we all rise together like that. So when I decided to leave, to step away from the full-time position, it is because there, the, the song within became louder and louder for a different venue to display my gifts. And so I was very prayerful about the move. And I knew even before I left, I was always, as a journalist, doing something on the side that dealt with mentoring women, elevating people. I was always talk, or called rather to talk and to, to speak and present at social gatherings, churches, conferences, etc. And I'm so delighted in that. And here's the rub, Debbie, because the news, the essence of news is negative. And I felt there was this need for me to create a platform that gave people positivity, something to look forward to, the joy that exists around us, but we can't see it because we're so enveloped by negativity, crime and scandal and, you know, natural disasters. Yeah, some of those things we've got to cover, but I felt it was important for us to me, even as a journalist, a serious journalist, to peel away time and to do things that were positive. So I do stories. I create stories that went around the community looking for people doing good things that would not make the evening news, but we had to put it in there somewhere because I stress and press the idea that there is positivity in the world and we have to balance or at least interject that and show people that not all is lost. Can you imagine sitting at home watching eight hours of television, as some people do now, round the clock, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, you name it, and the majority of that stuff is just gloom and doom? That weighs heavily on your spirit. I mean, it's just like that adding mud to your wings. So I decided, why not create an environment where at least we give people hope? And on that platform, I was able to pull away and create the leadership empowerment crews, create the leadership philosophy, the principle based on four anchors, ownership, relationship, scholarship, and stewardship. How can we allow women to, to discover that they need to own their lives, own their power, and then develop strong relationships around that? And then make sure that we're always scholarly, learning, um, striving to be better, pursuing excellence, and then turn around with stewardship, giving back, lift as we climb, tithe as we climb, and tithing into other people's lives. So that was the defining moment for me to say, here, I've done this television stuff for a long time. What else can I do to elevate myself so I can elevate others? Because I can't elevate you if I'm not there, right? So I had to elevate my mind and my thinking and my platform where I could elevate other, other women. Well, you were brave enough to, t- to jump, and that's the greatest Indeed thing. Indeed, I was. Indeed, I was. And I think it's important for us to lean in to take the jump because you never know what happens. You can sit home and desire something all day long, but unless you take that calculated risk, and I, ne- I don't believe in failure, every time you're in movement, you're, there's an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to learn a lesson. You know, I've fallen flat on my face on a number of things. But guess what? I became better and wiser and stronger because of that experience. So nothing in my world is a failure. I don't care how horrific it is because there is a morsel, a kernel of opportunity to learn. As long as you're going about learning and applying your, your new knowledge so you can better yourself, the process of failing is a part of the process of success. 
I look at it as a coin. There are two sides to the coin. One is opportunity, one is difficulty. You cannot live a life just on one side of coin. It doesn't work that way. Well, that's true. And boy, is that a great attitude. That is something that we need to really get that out there because too many people are like either the woe is me or I'm it. I am I am the greatest. And we've got yeah. to find a little bit of in between because we all need to say, pat ourselves on the back and say, we've been successful in A, B, C, and D. So, you know, what can we do now to, to take that to a, to a bigger level, to a higher level, and then grab someone to go along with us? Because I know but hiding behind stories and not opening up to people, you limit your potential, you limit where you're going in life. And it's just sad. I mean, I've seen so many people that just get so wrapped up in, in their in their bad stories and just life does not go on because they're stuck in the past. And yeah. the, past, the past does not define us, you know, and, and we've got to understand that and own that. And I love how, you know, you've been able to take what's happened in your past, those little things, quote unquote failures, but they're not. They're stepping stones to greatness. And that's what's really lovely about what's going on with your women's movement is that you're helping women take steps to their greatness. And I can't believe how quickly our time is flying, Sharon. We're going to have to take another short break here. Again, folks, go to SharonFrameSpeaks.com. Take a look at what Sharon offers. We're going to talk a little bit about her Lead Her Ship cruise that's coming up in November to Cuba and the things that we've done on that cruise in the past because I think we're coming up. This is the fifth year, fifth year anniversary. So we'll talk about that when we come back. So go get a drink of water, refresh, and come on back, and we're going to talk about the Lead Her Ship Empowerment Cruise when we get back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Religion and faith are many different things to many different people. Once you have the basic foundations of religious faith, the rest is up to you. Listen for Everyday Spirituality with host and life coach Kimberly Tobin. We can look past the restraints of religion where it is thought that one belief is the gold standard and everything else is wrong. Spirituality can be found in everything. And we can peacefully exist with different paths to belief. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Women. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Voice America Women, your passion starts here. listening to Defining Moments with Debbie Montgomery Johnson. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. 
That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to Debbie at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. Now, back to Defining Moments. Well, we're back with my friend Sharon Frame, and I can't believe how quickly our time is going by. I know Sharon is a busy woman. She's actually up at a Women's Leader LeaderCast conference right now, and there's a lot going on. But we've got some things that we want to talk about that Sharon is, is doing for women in her own right now. And one of those was her defining moment came about because of her defining moment in writing her book in 30 days. Now, any of you that have been an author of a book realize that it takes time. I know uh, I got kicked in the rear end by Sharon because I had to get my book done so I could be on her cruise last year, and I was able to do it in three or four months, but I had a lot of help, and Sharon did it in 30 days. So Sharon, tell everybody what your challenge is and how you challenged yourself to write your book, Lead Her- it was Leadership, is that right, or was Correct. that the book? Yes. So tell yeah, us about and, that and, and what- why you did it and how you did it and how you encourage other people to do it. I did it because I had no other choice. And usually in life, when you have no other choice, you get things done. That's, that's very important because we tend to think less of ourselves. We, we don't underscore our ability and our capability until we're under fire, right? So I was speaking at the Chamber of Commerce in Maui. They asked me what I talked on before they invited me up. And I said, oh, I talk on this, this, this. And I really like the whole leadership platform. And I hadn't written the book yet. And I had a month, and I thought, well, I need to write a book so I can make some money selling books. <laughs> well, man, why not? And I gave myself this, this great challenge. I call it the 30-day focus and follow-through challenge. I call up some of my clients and some of my friends and invited them to take the journey with me. What is it that the one thing you want to accomplish, one big thing you want to accomplish in 30 days? And I developed and designed this platform, this online uh, live platform, to be able for us to track ourselves doing small steps every single day that led us to greatness at the end of the month. It was absolutely phenomenal. So that one thing I had to do was to write my book. There are other people on the the challenge that had to put up their website, create a business plan. Uh, Another guy out of Houston, he was writing his book as well. And it was just that synergy, that momentum, that accountability that helped all of us to to raise that tide. And it's just all, you know, all ships go up with the, the rising of our tides. That's exactly what we did. So it's all about focusing, laser focusing on one or two things that you want to accomplish. And then following through, Debbie, because that's where most people fall through. They don't follow through. When we go to conferences, we go to workshops, we get all these notes that we're scribbling down feverishly. We get home, and what we do? Most of us do not follow through. So it allows you to develop a track, allows you to develop new habit in 30 days to create something great that was always in your head, but now it's being manifested. And we just started a new one. Uh, yesterday, for the month of October, we're going to be going all out to do something fantabulous, one thing, not 25, but one thing to streamline the process and get my coaching, get accountability. I'll do a live uh, free conference call and a one-on-one coaching at certain instances to make sure that everybody uh, is, is up to speed on what they're promising themselves. So if anybody's interested in taking this 30-day challenge, the Focus and Follow Through Challenge, they can go to my website at focusandfollowthrough.net. We're going to have a blast. Focusandfollowthrough.net. 
Well, that's just incredible because I found in my life accountability is huge and having an accountability partner is extraordinary. And uh, you and I were in in a mastermind group together and I know on our group met on Tuesday mornings and on Monday night when I was filling out the accountability sheet, I might have been feeling I had a terrible week with business, a terrible week with speaking, whatever. And when I sat down and filled out that sheet and the very first thing it says, what were your successes this week? And I wrote down what they were. I was like, and then I looked at the things that I was working on that week to further the company or whatever. And then I would look at the things that I didn't get to do, but that I wanted to do this coming week. And then the next part was, what can your partners do to help you? And by mm-hmm. the end of that accountability forum, I was feeling really good about me and about the last week. And it was it was just marvelous that by focusing in on a few things, a few key things, mm-hmm. it really changes your perception of what your week's been. And it it gets you in a great mood to go forward. So Absolutely. I encourage folks to, to take your challenge. Just one thing. Let's just pick one thing. For me, I'm actually procrastinating writing a chapter for a friend's book. And I, I have a deadline, and it really was came and went. And I, I'm kicking myself that I haven't done it. Uh, but we don't, we're not talking about changing the world here, folks. We're talking about changing one thing in your life that will really make a difference. And it will make you feel good when you get it completed. And it's even uh, better it to does. do it with friends. It's an overwhelming feeling of satisfaction, accomplishment. Amazing. It's fantastic. And Sharon, again, you did that for me when you invited me on your cruise last year, the leadership cruise, empowerment cruise. Uh, my goal was to get my book written so that I could present it on the cruise. And I had a lot of people behind me saying, okay, editors, publisher, that kind of stuff, saying, okay, you got, you got to get it done by ABC date and do this and this and this. And again, I work under pressure pretty well. It's not the best way to do it sometimes, but it really is effective sometimes. And I knew that I needed that book for your cruise. And Mm -hmm. I was so happy to have it in my hands when we walked on the ship. And when I was able to get up there for the very first time and telling my story to the world, Wow. It was it was marvelous because I had you there holding my hand. Actually, I remember you gave me a big hug and then pushed me off and said, "Okay, now talk." Uh, <laughs> but I could hand my I could hold on to that book and say, "If I can do it, anybody can do it." And those stories that were hiding, yes, they're mm-hmm. hurtful, but someone else is going through the same thing, and mm-hmm. you are going to give them courage to speak up and to stand up and to get their own power back. Because you did it, and now you're going to hold their hand while they do it. And Absolutely. I want you to talk now about what's your, what do we do on the Empowerment Cruise? Why, why are you going? Where are you going this year? And just kind of talk about who's going and what they're going to accomplish. Well, the Empowerment Cruise is an opportunity for us to step away from the busyness of life. I call it leisure and learning. It's a combination of relaxation and also opportunity of self-development. And I bring a number of my good friends on board as speakers. This year we're talking to and about the speaking uh, circuit, how if you are an author, how you can now transform that book into speaking capabilities. So it's like beyond the book, right? And for folks who have an entrepreneurial niche and they want to make good on getting their word out, how do you position that message how do you manage your message? How do you deliver that story? How do you find that voice and, and resonate with other people? And those are some of the workshops we'll be dealing with, business workshops on resonating your message, resonating your product, resonating your service. Also, uh, you know, the book is, 
the, the book that the, the, the coaching cruise is based on, again, has four anchors, and that would be ownership, relationship, scholarship, and stewardship. We touch on all four anchors. The one that everybody gets really excited about, particularly me, is the stewardship because we get to go into another country and extend love, so extend ourselves beyond ourselves, as I call it, and synergize with other women who are doing great work. Last year, we were in Jamaica, and we connected with an organization that goes into impoverished schools and teach the kids how to code, and we were able to bless them financially. The year before that, we were able to partner with another outfit in Atlanta who does great work for kids who are disenfranchised, who have great, amazing academic skills, but don't have the money to get to college. And so we collect and, and we sell T-shirts and whatever else we need to do, get sponsorships and help to fund their dreams. So, again, we're always elevating, trying to figure out how we can tilt the planet towards kindness. And so the leadership crew uh, serves as that, um, that boat, shall we say, as we travel down the road or, in this case, the ocean of life, how we can make sure that anybody out there with an SOS sign, you know, throwing out an SOS, we're there to help rescue them, rescue their business, rescue their dreams, rescue their desires, and show them how to elevate themselves to the next level so they can then in turn turn around and help someone else. So the cruise is November 4th through the 10th. We're going to be in Cuba. And the whole thing that happened, of course, in Cuba being hit by the hurricane, this opens up again another opportunity. Again, we go back to the coin, opportunity difficulty. They've had some difficult times. But here's an opportunity for us to extend beyond what we were going to do, this humanitarian effort, to extend that even to those who have really been hit by the hurricane. So that's what the cruise is all about, leisure, learning, and making sure that we're always leaving big footprints of humanitarian social imprint and humanitarian kindness as we go. If anybody would like to see, to know more about that cruise, Sharon, how can they find out? Yes, just go to leadhershipcruise.com. That's leadhershipcruise.com. You can also go to my website, SharonFrameSpeaks.com, SharonFrameSpeaks.com, or you can call my office at 678-602-2899. We still have a couple of cabins available if anybody wants to jump on board and not miss this ship. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's an inc- incredible experience, and, and I'm not going to be able to go this year. I really wanted to, and then I was just thinking the other day, I, you know, I can still do it. And my husband goes, you can still do it. And then all of a sudden, uh, he sees the doctor, and he's having a hip replaced on November 4th. So oh, I'm, well, I'm not going to be able to go, but I will be there in spirit <laughs> because there are some fabulous people that are going to be there, and I know that the message is going to be just a wonderful thing. So, Sharon, yeah. what really? quickly before our time is up because it's going by so quickly who inspires you and how do they do it wow there's so many people in life I've looked to for inspiration first and foremost you know I'm inspired by God Uh, he is a creator and I promise you I, I look to the gifts and the talents that he's given in me to move mountains in other people's lives. And I look to the gifts and talents in others to help me move my mountains. So who inspires me? My mother, because of her ambitious nature, her stick-to-itiveness, her ability to, to, to see the impossible. When, 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 when people say something can't be done, my mother would say, watch me, basically. She'd say, and she would not share her dreams with everybody because she felt like they couldn't understand because they would see the, the impossibility in it. So that gave me some really good foundation. 
also inspires me. I love reading. I, I'm inspired by the great writers, the folks who, who lived lives that were just so fantastical that they, again, defied the odds, whether it be uh, Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady, who uh, epitomized women who are strong and dignified and stood their ground and made a, an impeccable difference in the world. Whether you liked her or you disliked her, the Iron Lady comes to mind. Indira Gandhi, those women who forged ahead and, again, defied the odd. Martin Luther King, who kept telling us that no matter what, we still press ahead because there's greatness in all of us. And if we don't have something that's valuable enough for us to stand for and die for, then life is not worth living. There's so many great people that I read in history, and I, re- I recall uh, you know, how they say that, listen, hey, you've got to take your foot off first base if you want to get to second. Your, your life involves risks. And in order for you to, 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 to capture second base, you've got to move past first. And that means taking a risk sometime, right? So those well, are a- my inspirations. Well, that's absolutely true. Thank you so much. And our time is coming to an end. I can't believe it. But our show is called Defining Moments, and it's those moments that change our lives forever. And what Sharon said to me one time is, choose not to curse the storm, rechart our course, and set a better sail. Don't get stuck in the past. Move forward from what you've learned and go out there and chart another course and just do it with joy and with a smile on your face and be, you know, serve others. I think the greatest thing to do is to get out of ourselves and to serve others because you give back to your to yourself when you do that. Just from the joy and the smiles that come on other people's faces that just fills you up from within. So Sharon, thank you so much for your inspiration today. You've inspired me in so many ways. I I uh, honor you and all that you're doing in empowering women and, and elevating them to the next level. And men, I've, I've met some really wonderful men through through your associations. Um, but I want people to re- look out and keep the connection up with us this week. Keep the ke- connection alive with Sharon at SharonFrameSpeaks.com. Please go to my website, TheWomanBehindTheSmile.com, and check us out on Facebook for Wednesdays with the Woman Behind the Smile. We're all about being there for women in our lives and those around the world that might have something hidden that they want to bring out so that they can can raise themselves to the next level and be there as a gift to someone else. So Sharon, thanks so much for joining us. I know you're busy today. Have a wonderful week. I hope to see you in Orlando next week. We're going to be at the Women's Prosperity Network Unconference in Orlando. Check them out because they're very near and dear to our lives. Uh, it's been an extraordinary experience today. Thank you so much for sharing your life and your defining moments with me and with our audience. And be safe wherever you are. Thank you, Debbie. I certainly appreciate it. It was wonderful right. to with you. Thanks, my darling. And to our, our, our audience today, come back next week. We will share a defining moments with another one of my special guests. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for listening to Defining Moments. Be sure to join Debbie Montgomery Johnson for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Find your power this week.